All right. As our second hour here, I'd like to uh, I'd like to talk about liturgical prayer. So I'd like to tell you a story. We talked about the um, the four devotions of the early group of believers. I'm going to call them the early believers or the early assembly. I'm not going to call them the early church. So the uh, the early assembly had four things that they were devoted to. And if you recall the beginning of our last class, that is absolute commitment to. The first was the study of the Torah, which we see in Judaism today, 2,000 years later. The study of Torah is absolutely top shelf, number one priority. The second? Fellowship, right? They're, uh, they're fellowshipping together in community, and it is important. And we see in the Torah, as we look through in these verses that we're reading in these weeks and months, that uh, if you do certain things, you are put outside the community, and it's virtually a death sentence for you. You cannot survive without community. The third is hospitality and gathering together. And, you know, I... I I uh, don't want to miss an opportunity to uh, praise God for Greg Upham and his family and their willingness to open their home on an absolutely regular basis to provide that type of fellowship and koinonia and, uh, and an opportunity for the believers to gather together. It is absolutely, it is, uh, it is the hallmark of our faith. And I would encourage each of you to follow his example. And then finally, um, the, uh, the final devotion of this early group or early assembly of believers was their commitment to the prayers or to, to the liturgical aspect of their faith. And as I was visiting with a, a member of, uh, of the body of Messiah not many days from, from now, uh, prior to now, uh, he expressed a disdain for liturgical prayer. Um, I don't think he had a Catholic background, so or Episcopalian, so I'm not sure what turned him off to the liturgy. Um, we're not doing it in Latin. I know that for some of you, the Hebrew may be like Latin, uh, but uh, he was uh, he was thinking that it was almost of the devil that we would become plasticized and just in this rote prayer and just going through the motions. So let's dispel that from the beginning. First off, is it possible with liturgical prayer to just go through the motions and pray it without even thinking or feeling anything? Absolutely. Now that we got that out of the way and everybody listening in faraway places like Gastonia are saying, whew, they're on the same sheet of music as us. So what I want now, here, Ken has never been to a Torah service with Bella Torah yet. I'm hoping that's going to change. No pressure. <laughs> Little, if any, right? You know, we meet the second and the fourth Shabbat of, uh, of, every, uh, of, every, of every week, of every month, yes. Second and fourth. That's at 10 o'clock in the morning in case, yeah. yeah. Um, in this room. 
That's right, right here. Yes, yes. I think you know where we're, where we're meeting. Yes, um, and there's always a chair prepared for you. In fact, I'm going to commit from now until Rosh Hashanah. I will announce which chair has been designated and is waiting for Ken Schifferly. There it is. Okay. That's right. That's right. That's right. Let's see. Eliyahu didn't make it this week, and neither did Ken. Well, all right. So well, we'll, we'll put that to rest soon, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'll be calling you at 9 o'clock next Shabbat. Okay. So what I, want to do, what I want to do tonight is I would like you to speak to a fellow brother in the faith, and I would like you to tell me, I don't need flour. I don't need, you know, extra special whiz-bang words. I don't need some great theology. I want from the gut, from the heart. I told this man, when I started praying liturgically, my prayer life changed. My walk with Messiah changed. Now, I want to hear you convince him that it's at least worth a try. Now, to Joshua's point in the last hour, does that mean we never pray from the heart without the book, without the liturgy, and we never pray in the moment for the need? Or anything like is, is it hindering in any way? Certainly not. In fact... If we are continually in prayer, and we're praying as led, these are the times when we're not praying liturgically. And it's only for those one, two, or three times a day that we would pray liturgically. I would like you to name ten benefits of praying liturgically. I will start us off so I don't run out. Number one... It joins me with greater Judaism. I have the opportunity to pray at the same time, facing the same way as greater Judaism, the same people that we just read about. And I add my voice to the echoes of those Shakarit, Minka, and Ma'ariv prayers down through the millennia all around the planet all around the clock year after year after year. I get a connection with God's people why well, say just starting with Shakari prayer it sets in motion action for the rest of the day I like that it's a kick start to the day excellent that's number two well, I have a couple to take as many as you need, just leave the guys something else. You if know. I may borrow, I think this was the phrase from Boaz Michael. He said, it's the greatest hits of the Bible. Excellent. So you're, you're implying something there that someone into liturgical prayer not, may not realize. How, how is it the, the greatest hits of the Bible? It's filled with Scripture. So what are you praying to God? His own word. Back to Him. Yes. So this is not some man-made gyration that may or may not be biblical. In fact, I would, I would surmise that 90% of the liturgy that we go through is straight out of the scripture, possibly more, and for those of you who have the art scroll sitter that we use, you can check the footnotes. That's right there. It's amazing. Good. Excellent. That's three. Yeah, and then to, to borrow a quote from Rabbi Jeremy Gimpel, mm-hmm. it 
it creates a framework with which you can insert your own heartfelt prayers as well. I think mm. he, he put it very well when he said, you don't just sit there every day and read the same thing. This is your guide, almost, where you can then insert places that, that particularly pertain Amen. to you that day. Amen. And of course, with us, I take the opportunity to focus in on the aspects of Yeshua, you bet. several of the prayers. And Good. then uh, the third thing... Oh! So, in the Art Scroll Sitter, we have these footnotes, or superscripts, if you will, at certain points, at least two in the Amidah, that have the double O's, and then you drop down to the bottom, a little gray box, right? We've got two spots where we can actually pray for the sick, uh, or we can be reminded to pray for the sick, and we can pray for livelihood or forgiveness, right? Depending on which side of the box you're on, I, I must admit that, you know, oftentimes I'm on the forgiveness side, but the livelihood thing is really uh, a great thing. So that's outstanding. Yes, and then the, uh, I guess this is my third thing. Your third, but it's our yeah. fourth, yes. Jonathan Upham has led the charge in this case that the prayers are meant to be sung. Yes, they are. Sad but true. And, and we are commanded to praise God and yes. to thank Him. And so this is our opportunity to fulfill both of those things. To and thank Him and to praise Him with song. And He is, uh, what's the last line of that part of the liturgy? That He uh, creates musical songs of praise. Well, where did, you, where did He do that? Well, a lot of times the Psalms are just those. So four, outstanding. Well, you know, you can sing it in English if you want, but if you sing it in Hebrew, it sounds pretty cool, and, you know, I'm, I'm just dwarfed in the presence of such a mighty chazanut, who's a chazanut, if I'm, you know. Anyway, yes, sir. Uh, I, think, I think one of the other benefits is it, it sensitizes you to pr- protocol of approaching Outstanding. I want you to flush it out. I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of temple language, and and my 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 church rearing has me thinking that I can just boldly charge in now because of the throne of grace. As I have access now because of the blood of Messiah, which in a spiritual sense is true. But you're speaking of something different now. Right. So it's it's that whole uh, mindset, particularly when you get to the standing prayer, and you know, that tradition of taking those three steps forward, you know, as if we are, you know, walking in to, you know, the throne room. The presence. In the presence, but but we we do that after we've after we've been praying and praising God and thanking God, you know, and then we reach that point, we pull that to lean over our head as if to kind of uh, Shut out everything else around us. Mm-hmm. And we're focused you know, strictly on Him and on what we're about to pray, and we take those three steps forward, uh, and then we, and we, you know, we begin and we bow at certain points and so forth, you know. And then at the end of the uh, Amidah, when we bow and then we back up, you know, and we don't just turn around, but we back up, remaining faithful. Good, good. It's that whole idea of, look, you know, this is the king of the universe, mm. and therefore the way we approach him, and just like you wouldn't barge in to, 
you know, the Oval Office or to whatever the equivalent is at, you know, at, at Buckingham Palace, you know, how much more do we need to have reverence and respect and, uh, uh, and concern about how we approach Amen. He's lofty. He's high and lifted up. And it's a physical reminder of our puny existence here. I, I like that. That's, that's five. And uh, I've, I've, I appreciate that because to me that's, that's one of the most special times of, of that prayer is, is when we shut down as just you and him and you've been given the opportunity to, to draw near. Outstanding. John? It's likely that these are the same prayers that our Master prayed. Excellent. And, you know, Great parallel. When I was in Israel, you know, everybody was, and some of the tour guides, we had some Christians on the group, and not just Messianics, and, and they were all about, you know, I want to walk where Jesus walked, and, and things like that. So there were a few places where, like, okay, you guys... Want to walk the footsteps of Jesus? Here you go. You're not going to get anything better than this. Similarly, you get that connection to the Messiah through the through the prayers because these are the same words he was. Excellent. Um, probably Ezra, Nehemiah, and in those days, back on this wall, around 500, if you will, of the before the Common Era. Um, these these types of liturgical prayers were started, and you're right. We've we've got a tremendous opportunity there because we are we're we're following in his footsteps, um, literally, as we uh, as we pray these these very same prayers. Joshua, please. That was six. Thank you. Seven, eight, nine, ten. This could work, but everybody's got to step up. allows us to be to make sure we really know what Torah says. Oh, outstanding. we have prayers that are truly from old and then parts of what is currently part of the prayers which you have to make sure they are still consistent with the Master's prayers and Master's Torah. And so that part I really enjoy tied into the fact that Yeshua gave us how to pray. And if you look at what's in the prayer that we're supposed to pray, it follows every topic and none and no more than I mean. the ones that Yeshua himself gave. And as a, as a man, as a human, that, you know, when I get up to pray, depending on how much hours I slept or how busy it is or whatever, I might be able to think of one thing to thank God for or pray about or bless God for. Uh, but 18? Today, maybe three or four. But to go through all that he is worthy of me speaking to him Amen. as I thank him for restoring my soul, the living and eternal King Yeshua, then I need help. To, Amen. To, uh, you know, I need a solid outline that is packed with scripture that align with the very thing Yeshua mm. said, pray this way. Amen. It is a great example. And, and you, you raise a good point that I just can't remember at all times all of his magnificence and all of his wonder. 
and for all the things for which I should thank him. So it's a great reminder. Um, we have of late been trying to make sure that, as you've pointed out, we're looking at how today's Judaism has expressed these prayers and sometimes the blessings. And we're trying to ensure, you know, we're throwing in. Well, you mentioning the seed of David, but we know who that seed is, so why not mention him? And make sure everybody knows the only reason why we're here is twofold. Why are we praying here and not at the synagogue? One, we're not that good with Hebrew. But more importantly, number two, Yeshua. They're not going to praise him there. So, number seven, outstanding. Yes? I just wanted to amend on his that it also keeps us from having to keeps us from the pressure of having to make things up of having to I'm, I'm not saying you I can't stand anymore. having to make it up but but at, that, at the same time I'm seriously how many of you have had to make it up yeah well right? you know John, would you close us in prayer? Oh, crap. Okay. Um, let's see. God, uh, thank you for the pancakes and the syrup and the butter. Exactly. I mean, we're, we're, you know, a lot of us come from the church where, you know, we, we have, you know, we're exposed to big flowery yeah. you know, introductions and, and elaborate prayers. Um, but these have been refined and there are no wasted words and they are... They have just gotten straight to the point and, and yeah. don't say any more or less yeah. than is necessary. Yeah, but they are succinct. Um, I'll take that as number eight. It is clear that if you're going to uh, if you're going to commit to pray two, if not three times a day, you definitely want to pray what's necessary to pray and praise him and laud him for all that he is, all that he has done all that he will do without wasting words or you will not eat the next meal. <laughs> yes, sir. This may be similar to what Mr. Gotcha. was saying, but for me, I, I do feel like it is the, the liturgical prayers are an excellent reminder that God is king and that I am just a mere servant. Because it seems like that's the focus of the, the prayers are just really lowering yourself mm. yeah. and uplifting yeah. God. Yeah. Being, you know, of course, the, the way that you pray is sort of out loud, but not loud enough for everyone to hear it. And it's because you, you hear yourself saying these words to yourself. Just as a reminder, I am very, very small compared yeah. to... Amen. Him. Amen. That's a, that's a really good point. And I, I think... Uh, yeah, that, that whole perspective is, is so important. Um, and I have I had forgotten that one, that you you can't go through all the descriptions that he gave us about himself in the Word of God, and not recognize. Well, forget Messiah. What am I? You know, because you know what is man that you should you know? I really think that's speaking of Messiah. You know, I don't I don't think that's a whole lot to do with us. You know, but maybe the crowning achievement of his creation but still nothing compared to him. That's nine. I like that. Um, I got you both. Nine B. Nine B. Oh, it's just... <laughs> just to follow up on that, I think that one thing that, not only perspective on me, um, but much more importantly, I feel it has given me a better perspective on him um, in terms of his awesomeness, his significance. His, I mean, we're going through the, 
the prayers on Shavuot, and <laughs> wow, how incredible the Torah is that God has given us. And um, Elson, you kind of you walk away from it. You're like, never want to do anything wrong ever again. Yeah, yeah. You know? How it reflects on the Master is unbelievable, right? But then with, with the prayers too, I feel like it has changed the way that I sort of view worship. Hmm. Um, previously, worship. It was easy sometimes for worship to be things that made me feel cared for, made me feel loved, made me feel good about how much God thinks of me. Mm-hmm. And now, some of the same songs that I used to really appreciate kind of make me feel funny because it's like, God's not my buddy. He's not, you know, he's not my lab that I can come home to and, you know, we can run around together. Exactly. He's the king of the universe, and my existence is owed completely entirely to him. I, I think, uh, to, to dovetail with what you're saying, um, my worship has lost some of that carefree expression, but has been replaced with uh, a, an acknowledgement of his grandeur and majesty that I prefer over the carefree nature. I can still be carefree, but... I see less value now in making me feel good or me getting emotionally charged when I just, I, I recognize now that the scriptures teach me that there's only a handful, four different groups on the planet that will praise him. And God willing and by his grace and through his grace, I fall into many now of those four categories. There's nobody else who's going to praise him. And it's one of my jobs. So I'm willing to give up that carefreeness to recognize some of that. That's, I'm, I'd, I'd like to give it 10, but I'm going to call it a 9.2. Nine, nine yes, sir. No, actually, I beg your pardon. Yes. He's been waiting longer. This is not a 9B or C or 10. I'm following up on what you just said and mm. something uh, Johnny said. Uh, that carefreeness, I strongly believe we need to gain back. Mm. Not in what we were describing where it becomes all about me. Exactly. But where it's truly a spirit-filled, what we're talking about even in the first half of tonight, through the truth of everything that we're talking about now. Amen. And that, there, that, that freeness now wouldn't be this contradiction of if you're going to be free in the spirit, now you're going to be in contradiction to Torah. But actually, that by being this carefree in the spirit prayer, you're actually going to agree even more so. And to be consistent with. With the very spirit that gave the men of God to write out the very words Amen. of this entire book of praise and thanksgiving. I think, I think I've got to go the, the carefree spirit led thing and go with 10 on that one. I mean, we just got to bring those together as, as one. Yes. Oh, I was going to you have another one. That, well, I've got another one. Just a man has Johnny put it up. That if we understand what the intention that we're all describing and how you learn that these prayers come from the Word of God, then it also enables us, it teaches us, and gives us practice that when we are reading, it's not a separate thing from actually being able to Part of worship. Part of worship. And making what we're reading not just the actions of our lives, but the worship and prayers to God. Excellent. To take that carefree time to say, well, I know there isn't a thing that says here and now... You know, 
lift up your hand or you know bow your knee and say something, but where you can actually realize like, wow, I've been practicing this at least twice a day, right? If not three or more, and now when I'm reading, I realize, wow, all of these other psalms and Torah passages and Nevi'im passages are a prayer to God. Let's make all of what I'm learning in action and a praise to God. Amen. Amen. Yes. I don't know if this new amendment or whatever. Okay, forget the amendments. We're, we're done with the amendments. <laughs> but, it, it, but it does relate to a couple of comments that were just said because the So, so let me let me slow you down before you continue. You, you came out of a charismatic or Pentecostal type background, so there's a lot of freedom in the spirit and not a lot of structure. Yes. Uh, yes, and I say I say it hesitantly because that's how they would describe. It. Okay. But the structure was to have no structure, right? No, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but but the but the point was that so much of the services were all oriented around the, the musical worship right. and all that, which is all great. Sure. We're commanded to do that. Absolutely. So I don't want to, I don't want to think anybody, I don't sound like I'm dismissing you there. Right, right. But a lot of it was, and, and my concern with, with what I see with a lot of, you know, contemporary churches mm-hmm. today, is that, that worship was less really about God and more about invoking emotional response right, from right. the people, right? Which is the complete opposite of what worship... Apparently what worship is all about. Do, yeah. Right? Uh, and so one of the things that I've come to appreciate about, about liturgical worship, liturgical prayer, is... You know, you, when you come and you stand and stare at a wall or the back of somebody's head, right? And there's no, there's no worship. There's no euphoria. There's no music. There's no. It's just you, a wall, and your, and your sador, right? And it is, it is up to you to really have that kavanah, that concentration and press in, to use an old Pentecostal term, right? To really press in and and make that prayer really mean something. Really? Right? And and it takes it takes effort to do that. And sometimes I you know, sometimes I feel like I did a better job than others, right? Yeah. Other times. But the point is you can't if you're dependent on it on a praise and worship leader to get you to, you know to create some euphoria for you before you can really you know really be able to uh, thank God and praise God. Something's wrong. Something's something's wrong. I think one of the things, at least in my experience, that that praying liturgical prayers have been, and part of this also is because. If you're not praying in Hebrew, 
and you're not singing them in Hebrew because actually liturgical prayer is quite, you know, it is quite worshipful when you're singing. And those of us who have been had the opportunity mm-hmm. to be in congregations where you know the whole congregation is they're praying the liturgical prayer, but they're singing it, and there's you know, you know, sing, 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 shalom. Yeah, and everybody. I mean, so there is that aspect that comes with liturgical prayer for a lot of congregations, yes. right? Yes. But when you don't have that element, then there's that, that there's that component that look, I've got it. I've got to press in. I've got to have the kavanah, the concentration, and the focus to really uh, take to heart yeah. what I am saying. So the, the worship experience is more in your hands and your responsibility than a pastor, a minister, uh, per se. You are the one who's responsible, and you need to put in the effort. That's what I've noticed, that, that the, the effort is necessary on my part, and praying now becomes an act of labor and love. I need, I mean, there is no way you're going to sit and stand and daven for over an hour or more unless you really are interested in praying. Now, I have spent time, I think, with darn near everybody in this room making sure that you have the ability and you feel comfortable. And that may not be a pro, almost everybody, um, to make sure that you are comfortable and at least can lead the prayers. Because as a tzaddik, that is what we need. If you've got guys that want to pray, we can be the one to lead it. We don't need a worship minister... You just get a regular guy to go ahead and keep us all on the same sheet of music. And each man will provide the covenant or that intention or intensity himself. Yes, sir. Good. I'm going to take that as 10. Greg and John hit on some very key concepts here. Gotcha. And coming from a gotcha. you know, background as a classical guitarist, um, you know, we've got the book right in front of us and everything like that. And the words are on the page and everything like that. But how many of you mem- have memorized any of the prayers? And that's a, you know, at first glance, it might seem like that might be totally contradictory to okay, well, we got the book, we need to do it with, with, you know, intention. But you know, just coming from a, a music background, when you have a piece fully committed to memory that's when you can really start that playing. It's because you're not limited by what's on the page. You're not limited by, okay, here comes that tough part, you know, and I'm about to, and I have to look back, look down at my hands and, you know, away from the music and stuff like that. It is just so much a part of you that it just spews out of you with every ounce of your being. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's... There are passages where, like, big chunks from the Shakari prayers where I'm like, okay, there's like a couple pages where I'm I'm checking my memory. I'll, like, you know, all I'll do is I'll look down at the first word and I'll I'll go to the next paragraph. Okay, then I'll look down at the next word. Okay, I got it. And I'll just keep going and I'll occasionally open my eyes, like, okay, what's next? Mm -hmm. But my, my prayer in those pages is so much more focused. 
because it, it feels like it's a part of you. Yeah. I, memorization is absolutely a great thing. I want to encourage you. Memorize the Scripture, not the prayers. Because if you memorize the Scripture, the prayers are mostly Scripture anyway. Uh, the sages say we should not memorize the prayers. Now, if you ever go to the wall, and I know you've been there, you can see some guys that have obviously been doing this an awful long time. Do <laughs> you ever notice? They've almost all got Sidorim. Why? Because the sages say you shouldn't memorize these prayers. You should read them so that you're not going to miss anything. But when you're doing the passages that come from the Scripture, you can do that from memory and take off and continue the thought that they started and then come back to the book. Right? So, a good, a good watchword there. Memorization is critical and you don't know a passage in the Scripture until you've memorized it. Because it just... It just comes alive. Absolutely. Good point. Yes, sir. I also want to touch on a couple different points. Um, one was with praise and worship. You go to church and you have somebody up there who's boasting and trying to get the spirit so-called lifted up and it almost becomes where your focus becomes on you and how you feel rather than what the whole purpose of, of it is. is to be praising God and remembering the things that he's done, which I think that reading through the prayers in the morning, it should, while you're sitting there reading, should provoke thoughts of what he has done for you. Now, for those listening at home and in Gastonia, um, this is coming from a man who has not spent a lot of time sitting in the pews in the church as a believer, but has seen it with a critical eye and hypocrisy, and now is sitting on the other side and reading and praying the scriptures. I, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to put you down. I'm trying to just you know, get your, your comments in, in the correct context that you've been on both sides of that street and you've seen great value now in doing the liturgy rather than watching or listening to somebody you know, do some act or, or get everybody worked up. Um, that's why uh, one of the reasons, and a great point, by the way, that I appreciate the fact that when we're doing Shakari prayers, there's nobody up front to watch. You know, it doesn't matter whether I'm leading it or, John, or Jonathan's leading it or Greg's leading it or Pete's leading it. I mean, we're just part of the congregation. Every now and then, you know, we're, we're throwing in some of what we're all doing just to make sure we're staying on the same music. If somebody was up front, you wouldn't know because you're looking. You're looking down at the book. That's exactly right. Yes, sir. I was just going to add another thing really enjoy about the liturgical prayers is that it is another tool that teaches us consistency mm. in public mm. and private lives. Ooh, good. Because your public prayer should be exactly the same as your private prayer. Mm. And that's, a, that's how it should be with our everything we do. Our walk is what we do in private should also be able to do in public. Yeah, that's good. Um, uh, Isaac did not have opportunity uh, to pray with the men on Shavuot morning and we were going to try and get together the next day to pray and I thought it was so cool that he asked me if, we want, if I wanted to pray with him and we both knew exactly what he was talking about you know it, it wasn't going to be you know, you know ripping the heads off of chickens and flying around or jumping pews or whatever he, I knew exactly what he wanted to do he knew exactly what I was going to be doing he knew I was going to be doing it whether he was here you know that kind of thing it's very uh, very comforting to see that consistency. And I like that. Yes, sir, you're first. Uh, one, one comment is that the word chazan comes from 
chazon, which is vision. Mm. And the chazon's kind of job, and even if you're praying by yourself, is to set the vision for the rest of your day. And even when I was in, uh, in private school, I remember every morning it was all, there was always the Pledge of Allegiance to the American flag, to the Bible, and to the Christian flag. Mm. And those were how you established every day as a reminder of what you were here for. And I think it's... Uh, why would we not do that in our own daily lives to, to remind ourselves what we're supposed to be fighting for mm, good. and to have that anthem around which everything should resolve uh, or revolve. And uh, I also like the fact that it takes your prayer life beyond crisis prayer, which well, almost all the time is, is what I experienced. It was always, I have a problem and I'm going to complain to everybody and then we're going to pray about the complaints we made. Right, and I, I think they're the extremes. So, we, you know, we've got to give everybody the benefit of the doubt, right? It's either the crisis or the blessing, right? Right? If we're in the crisis and ready to die and need help, we ask for help, and that's a cause for prayer. Or if everything's worked out and everything's gone fabulously, many times, not always, we want to praise Him because it worked out the way we wanted it to work out. When it doesn't work out the way we want it to work out, oftentimes, at least I am, you know, have been in the past sorely inadequate in that regard. Good point. I like it. I'm actually going to go 11 on that one. <laughs> I wanted to go back, tying in a little bit of what's been mentioned by multiple people, and to say I really don't like the term carefree, which I used a little bit earlier, because that means you're free of care. That's terrible. You should be full of care to do the right thing, to pray the right prayers, to bless the highest to lift the kingdom kings for sure. And um, the adding to that is that Yeshua himself said, this is how you will worship, in spirit and in truth. Mm. So we're talking about a lot of things in truth, and I was saying we need to get, get back that, that non-reading part where you pray from your heart, you pray from, which is that spirit part, but they can't be separate from one another. In fact, the truth we're praying is impossible for us to really even understand without the Ruach. And yet the Ruach that we think is moving us to pray something can't be in contradiction or apart from the truth. That's true. So they have to go hand in hand. And that's why Yeshua made sure that we understood, especially at this time, shortly after Shavuot, that true worshipers, we ought to be worshiping in spirit and in truth. Amen. All right, so to summarize then, I think we got 11 or 12. Get a good uh, healthy dozen there. 12 is a good biblical number, yeah, yeah. In fact, I've, I, you know, after reading the sages for a couple of years now, I'm convinced that virtually every number is really a pretty good number. You know, six normally doesn't cut it very well, but other than that, we, we pretty seem, you know, to, to, to make a, a number work. So, bottom line. And I, I need a resounding response for this brother who's concerned about the cardboard dryness, lack of spirit within liturgical prayer. Would you recommend that he give it a go? Absolutely. Absolutely. Or I, would, I would recommend that he joins people who are who do it. Outstanding. So you're bringing us back then to community right. and that idea of being together. The disciples of Yeshua said, teach us how to pray. Yes. And it, it, Not teach me how to pray. Right. That's, and the idea is there, 
there's a proper way to pray, and it's here's here's how I would do it. Yeah, I think uh, you know we opened up our home because we were going to be praying anyway. You know, if if I assume you're going to be praying, wouldn't it be advantageous for us to meet in one spot and all pray together? And I think we would all agree, and history has proven that it really is a blessing. I mean, the idea that people would stay up late studying the Torah and then schlep all the way over here just to pray prayers in a very hot room is amazing. Or, or what was it? What's the last time? Was it Yom Kippur? Yom Kippur, right? You know, everybody shows up that night. And we had a lot of people here. And, you know, you don't, you don't get master class salvation points by showing up for prayer. You don't. It's just a, a tremendous blessing. All right, so you would recommend it. And you would recommend it, excellent uh, comment, uh, that he try it in community. Excellent. Final comments. Yes, sir. I would recommend it with what exactly points that he says teach us how to pray followed by how he actually told us to pray. Now, what are you going to say about his kingdom? What are you going to say about his name? How are you going to ask to be forgiven? Yeah, you've only got two choices. You've got a point there. If we follow the, the prayer, whether it's the high priestly prayer from 17, uh, John 17, or it's it's the uh, the, the the abbreviated Amidah, if you will, uh, teach us to pray. In, in this way ought you to pray, um, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, and so forth. Um, it's obvious, if you get it in context, he's giving subtitles, if you will, or headings, for paragraphs that should follow, and that's yes, and that's exactly what we see in the Amidah. So, if you're going to flesh it out, then you've got a great opportunity and a great pattern there to follow. So, you're either going to pray, well, yeah, but but I think my my point was you're either going to pray literally exactly what he said, which seems somewhat liturgical, and also pretty short and. Or you're gonna you're gonna use that as your example, as I think the context would would lead you to, to flesh it out. And uh, I think Rick Spurlock uh, did, not as a formal study, but as a, as an encouragement to some of the the men, uh, did a, a a a a beautiful discussion of each of the paragraphs and each of the benedictions in the Amidah, and how it matched up so well with the Lord's Prayer. Yes. Sir. Tying back a little bit to uh, to number one, which was the one you opened up with, and the connection to Israel. Yeah, greater Israel. Uh, I think if if you have somebody, particularly somebody who's coming from a, a Christian or church background mm-hmm. that's unfamiliar with liturgical prayer, if they are uh, pro-Israel, which many many are, absolutely. I think. It, you know, it's great to say, okay, here's here's here you are. You love you love Israel. You love God's people. Uh, you recognize God's not done with His people, right? Um, and you are you you are an advocate of standing with Israel. Great. Then let's stand literally with Israel in prayer. In prayer. Outstanding. 
that's, that's good. That's very good. It it, uh, it it really brings some meat to to the words that we may use on a website or at, you know in, a, in the closing of an email. But here's here's where the where the or on a bumper sticker. Yeah, here's here's where the where the prayer can meet the road, if you will. Yeah. What Greg just said reminded me of the time we were trying to draw circles and different things. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I think that's great to see how the nations are grafted in yeah. to uh, to Israel, sustained by the root. And I would say from a Jewish perspective that these same prayers going to one circle deeper in allows greater Israel to connect with the remnant and the remnant with the root. Excellent. And you end up getting the full picture. I, I tell you, you've got a... Um, you've got a much greater opportunity to witness for Yeshua and His righteousness and His work on our behalf if you're caught by a Jew praying. If you pray the way Gentiles pray, you are unnoticeable. If you pray the way a Jew prays, you are either recognized as a Jew or as an anomaly that they want to learn more about and investigate. And when that happens, you should have an, an incredible uh, testimony. Final comment. Earlier I mentioned that you know, these are among the prayers that Yeshua himself would be praying. To the outsider looking in, it, it looks like, okay, this is, these are Jewish prayers, this is... It has nothing to do with Jesus. Closer inspection of the Hebrew reveals, you know, in, in, I think the second it's like you're asking for him by name. You bet. You know, it's, if you're not, if you're not, you're obviously going to miss it. Yeah. But to that same point, if you know it's there, and seeking it. It's extraordinary. It'll never be a point of, oh, well, I'm not going to do this because of that. Yeah. Well, I mean, to Greg's point, I mean, if you're doing it in Hebrew, you're going to hear Yeshua over and over. <clears throat> and if you're singing it, it's probably even better, but, you know, I'm not there yet. I hear, we hereby join ourselves to the Master, Yeshua the Messiah, the Righteous One, who is the Bread of Life and the True Light, the source of eternal salvation for all those who hear Him. Like a branch that remains in a vine, so we may so may we remain in him, just as he also remains in the Father, and the Father in him, in order that they may remain in us. May the grace of the Master, Yeshua, the Messiah, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit abound to us all. And all you men said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, gentlemen. I uh, appreciate your uh, care for this young man and your willingness to... Uh, Use, uh, use a, a, a class time to uh, exhort him um, if he should uh, show up for prayer time with the community. I'll uh, try and avoid pointing and uh, uh, making him feel like a fish out of water, but you know how I am. So God bless you for coming.